Hi again, everybody. It's Adrian from the Sophie's team here. You are tuned in to China Manufacturing Decoded again. Thanks for joining us. It's episode 113 now, and I'm joined by our head of new product development, Andrew Aminovin. And you might have heard him on the podcast before, so he's a repeat guest on the podcast. And Andrew is joining me today to talk about what needs to happen in order to go into mass production. And you cannot go into mass production unless you've done what he's going to talk about today. Andrew, you've worked in some of the world's biggest electronic companies for decades, and you've got a lot of experience. It's so great to get you on. How are you doing? Doing well, Adrian. It's really good to be here. Thank you very much for the warm welcome and uh, great introduction. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I, I think that this topic is one that a lot of uh, people who are thinking about, you know, developing a brand new product, they they just kind of get, get confused. Where should I mm. start? What should I do? When is the right time to go to mass production? How much is it going to mm. cost me? There are just so many uh, questions in this area. I thought it would be a good thing that if we kind of help our listeners in this regard. Yeah, absolutely. We've written about the process to get to mass production in various written content. We've spoken about it on the podcast also, but the, I, I think there's often some confusion about, well, you know, I've, I, my prototype looks like it's meant to look, it works like it's meant to look. Can I just go into mass production now? And the answer is, it depends and it's really not simple, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the development is a is a very uh, complicated process. And if you want to do it right uh, with the quality and reliability in your mind, uh, it really, mm. you really have to uh, take care of a lot of things before you go to mass production. One of the important things that I think that a lot of people forget is uh, validation. And, mm. and, and then there's another term that most people get these two uh, kind of confused, and that's called verification. A lot of people wonder, validation is the same as verification, or verification is the same as validation, or can they use vice versa? And, mm-hmm. and I think that it would be good if we can kind of clear this process, the, these two terms for our listeners and then we can get yes. down to um, help them understand what it is that they must do before they go to mass production. Well, let's put it this way. Validation means really testing, making sure that you validate the product by some sort of testing. And, and I'm really oversimplifying it because in some industries, uh, for example, medical device industry validation and uh, validation and verification are very clear processes. But in consumer electronics, really almost the same. Uh, you know, the, term, the terminologies have very little differences um, mm-hmm. because validation by testing, uh, it means that you really have to have set of test cases goals for trying to figure out if it can pass this test, if it can pass that test, and so on. 
And that could be any kind of testing, consumer electronics. It could be drop test. It could be uh, vibration test in a medical device. It could be some kind of, you know, virus uh, that you're testing. And, and there's a whole bunch of other maybe FDA level tests, you know, you, you know, so it depends on what you're doing. But typically, validation means some sort of testing. However, mm-hmm. how would you say that is different from verification? Well, verification is the process. Once you have validated by testing, now you have to analyze the data and you have a whole bunch of tests that you have done and you have to come up with some kind of conclusion and approval process, and that's called verification. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Interesting. Okay. So there's a lot of different types of validation and verification out there, aren't there? So because if we if we look at validation as testing of the product, as you mentioned, there may be a lot of tests that need to be done. You know, food contact products may need a lot of FDA tests to make sure that, I don't know, the plastic that you're using is is actually safe for, for uh, you know, use to contain foods and things like this. That's just one example. There could be many, many different types of tests. And I suppose another key question that importers who are trying to develop and bring a new product to market whether it's electronics, as you've mentioned, or, or, or uh, other consumer goods, is, okay, fine. We know that we need to do this validation verification. You know, that we know that there's a lot of testing, but what's right for us? So it might help to talk about the different types of validation verification that are out there. Well, let me just um, make something clear to our listeners. So I think that we wanted to let them know what it is that they must do before they go mass production we talked about you can't go mass production unless you do this and what that is is that they must do qualification of the product okay so how do you qualify the product and how you do it is by way of these two processes validation and verification testing So if you have done validation testing and pardon me, verification process, you have done these two, then you are qualifying the product and the product is qualified and it's ready for mass production. Now let's talk Mm -hmm. about different types of validation and verification. So as you go through the, the product development process, you are really going through design process you're going through uh, uh, analyzing a whole bunch of components and deciding suppliers on suppliers. And, and then finally, your product is ready. So you're actually trying to um, validate your product. And then you have to go to uh, mass production and you validate. Before you go mass production, you have to validate your um, production line to see if it's actually uh, feasible and can produce this product. So the 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 process that you have to go. Uh, let's talk about the design, for example. You need to have design validation and design verification process. And typically, when it comes to design, you have a whole set of tests. Um, typically, is called. Um, 
physics of failures, you know, when it comes to, for example, some sort of quality or reliability testing that you have to do on that product. It could be anything. It could be drop test. It could be a test of failure. It could be a halt test. It could be performance and specification tests. Any one of those are physics of failure tests that you have to do to validate the design. Is the design meeting the minimum specified operating conditions? Uh, Where is the limits of the design, for example, under certain high, uh, the voltage and current conditions, what happens if you increase the voltage or there is a, um, a ripple effect in the current and all of a sudden the changes in the voltage, is it going to shut down or, or create the dangerous conditions in the product? So all of these need to be tested to validate that the design is uh, reliable and is sound then you start going through verification process. That's when you have all the data for every aspect of the design. You know, for example, design quality, design for higher voltage, lower voltage, lower current, higher current, uh, different environmental conditions for your design. What happens if your, for example, IC overheats What happens if your PCB overheats and all the components are hot? What happens if there are cold conditions? So actually Mm -hmm. designers really literally take their PCBs and put it in a chamber and they cool it and they take measurements and they heat it up and they take measurements and they want to see which components actually failed or which design part didn't function you know, and, and that they need to improve. So once they have fixed all of those issues, then basically they have done the validation process and they have done the verification process. Then that design is ready to move to the next level. Now, one of mm. the other things that you have to do through that process, as you know, Adrian, components and suppliers, you have to validate and verify both of these for every new design. I think that one of the things that is very important for every uh, product design or manufacturing is to make sure that they choose high quality components and reliable suppliers. And to do that, most often they have to do uh, what they call supplier assessment and component validation and component verification. And so since we're not talking about assessment, so I won't go to that direction, I'll basically focus on component validation. So what they will do, uh, the designers, they typically have uh, a very good component chosen initially because they really want to validate the design. So typically, they don't pick a component that has a very wide tolerances at the, at the beginning of the design. They, they pick one that is reasonable tolerance, and they want to kind of control the variability of the specification at the beginning. And then mm-hmm. by doing this, they perfect the design.
So the point here is um, that you need to make sure that your components are validated uh, for design in terms of performance, in terms of design specification. For example, if your design must be operating at high temperatures, you want to make sure that your component is also going to be able to handle that same temperatures or maybe even better than your design specification. And then um, in that retrospect, you want to make sure that your supplier is aware that you have these uh, requirements for your component and that, you know, uh, they should not deviate uh, from those requirements. So Mm. once you have good components that actually meet your design validation and design verification requirements, then you have already uh, improved your design. You wrote about golden samples recently on Agilian's blog. Once your product has gone through all of the validation and verification, so you've qualified it, would you consider that to be a golden sample then? Not necessarily. Uh, Golden samples are really very unique, meaning that typically they are uh, almost what I call perfect samples. And mm-hmm. we don't really live in a perfect world and no design mm-hmm. is perfect. And if we had to make the entire product from golden samples, it would be a very, very expensive product. To give you an example, let's say, uh, you know, you, you have a, a design where every single component uh, has to be a 1% tolerance and nothing more. Well, then mm. if you put, for example, a 10% tolerance component, it won't work. And then any uh, component that is 1% versus 10%, then that means it's a very precise component. And being precise, is, it means that it's going to be very costly. So in many cases, golden sample really is the indication of what the desired specification should be and desired performance of that part should be. But in in many cases, uh, uh, we can't meet uh, those requirements for every component in there. But what we talked about, I think, in the past, between the differences between golden sample and and the limit sample was that Mm. golden sample is something that uh, indicates what your, for example, if you want to test a product and you want to make sure that it's operating within the specification, then you have chosen a sample for your testing purpose that is a typical example of what the normal sample would be like. So golden sample does not necessarily have to be like a, you know, perfect sample, uh, I mean, in terms of tolerance. So you could have a tolerance of 5%, which is a typical of what the components that you purchase. And you would say, okay, this one uh, is a good component. We call it golden sample, meaning that it passes all the time and and it meets our requirement and it's within our specification. However, the failures spec is all clear when, when you're testing. 
Mm-hmm. In other words, for example, you take the condom sample and you put it there, you're reading certain parameters, and then you put another sample in there, and then all of a sudden you you you're failing because it's not it's not within the realm of what the golden sample per- performance would be. Okay. And again, hmm. the word the word perfect does not mean that it's perfect as in the sample, but perfect for the product in terms of meeting its specifications. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Going back to another thing that I was wanted wanted to kind of add here was product mm-hmm. validation. Because really what you're trying to get out of uh, this whole product qualification is to get to production, mass production. And um, yes, your design is good. Okay, you've done validation and verification. Your components and suppliers are good. You've done validation and verification. But now you put it all together. You put it in a box. You have to test the product and you have to validate it. And you have to verify that everything is in the right order within the performance specification and so on. And so product validation means you have to do a whole bunch of other types of tests that are totally different than the design. For example, in the product level testing, you have to do user experience testing. You have to do reliability testing. You have to do assembly level testing. How are they going to actually, um, uh, for example, if there are minor assemblies necessary by the user uh, to be able to actually do user experience. And they call it, sometimes we call those ecosystem testing and software testing. Uh, and then you have to verify all of those tests and results to come to a conclusion that the product is ready for mass production. And then it, before you do mass production, I don't know if you have or ever heard of um, MPI line in, in production. MPI line is, is a very typical line, a production line that is just dedicated for new products that are coming online. And so they actually have a special team in production that are familiar with brand new products. They know that the product is going to have all kinds of issues. They are very experienced assembly team members that they know how to work with engineers in terms of setting up the assembly line, line balancing the assembly line. What jigs and automations are required Timing the assembly process, how long it takes to assemble, you know, certain section of the design, for example. And so this team, basically, their, their, their role is to um, take the product and do all these activities and then at the end deliver a full product. And in doing this, they have to do line validation, for example, how long does it take for this these materials to start from the beginning of the line and get to the end of the line? And then is that too much time? Is that just the right amount of time? Is that too many people? Uh, or one person is working harder than the other? There are so many uh, issues of resolving, you know, how a perfect assembly line would be that's working like a clockwise. So 
So you have a lot of manufacturing engineers, design engineers, um, you know, uh, quality managers that work together to make sure that the line manufacturing new product uh, in the dark introduction line is actually ready for manufacturing. Once mm. that process is ready, then the verification happens. And that means that they basically start the clock and they say, okay, go. And the manufacturing material is passed on to these assembly line uh, employees and they get to work full speed. And then at the end of the line, a product is born. And then that's where they say, okay, it took this much time to build this one product. How many can be built per day? Mm. So that is just one element of the, uh, you know, uh, the qualification process. So that's mm-hmm. called manufacturing line qualification, which entails validation and verification. There is one more item that is very, very important and, and more often uh, forgotten when to do, and that's called mm-hmm. compliance and regulatory qualification. And that's really mm. critical. Yes, because I, I don't know if you heard of FCC. Yes, absolutely. So I mean, it's all, it's almost essential for electronics, right? Especially exactly. those that are going to be exactly. uh, imported into the into the states or North American market, right? And but that is just one of many other uh, compliance and regulatory requirements. Depends on oh, absolutely. What kind of, yeah, depends on what kind of product you have. If you have, for example, electronics product, consumer electronics, then you have different kind of reg- regulatory requirement. But if you have mm. medical device then you have definitely different kinds. Perhaps you have FDA requirement. Uh, in the uh, electronic device, you have FCC. If you have, for example, Wi-Fi and or Bluetooth uh, that are or RF devices in your product, um, you could have uh, requirements for US, for example, California Prop 65, which says basically mm-hmm. you want to make sure that your product is not hazardous to the environment. And then you could have Europe, uh, if you want to sell it in Europe, which you could have a ROHS requirement, R-O-H-S, which is basically very similar to uh, hazardous requirement for California, meaning that basically you want to make sure that you don't have hazardous, dangerous, like lead in your product. Um, Then there's a whole bunch of other requirements depending on the country that you want to sell your product so can you imagine you produce your product you've done everything perfect but you just forgot to do compliance and and regulatory requirement test how can you sell that product you cannot you cannot Mm -hmm. import it even to any country i mean you could just make one mistake and then all of a sudden you know everything comes down and the, there's always a right timing for doing these products. You know, for example, if you do it too early uh, in terms of compliance test, maybe it's costly. Then you have to do it again after uh, many, many things have changed in the design. You know, if you, for example, uh, you had a Wi-Fi chip that you did uh, your, your compliance screening and then all of a sudden later on you decided that you know we need to go with a little bit of high power a different kind of a wi-fi chip guess what you have to do full uh uh you know compliance test again 
And, and so timing is, is critical on these. So typically uh, you make sure that you consult with a uh, compliance lab or compliance engineer uh, who knows exact timing by experience and at or by the regulatory requirements. And they will kind of make sure that you do the testing and that's called validating validation. And then once the tests have passed uh, and meet the requirements, then that's called uh, verification. And the two of them together is called compliance requirement meeting uh, the requirements, uh, meaning that is qualified, compliance is qualified. Someone listening might be thinking, mm-hmm. where do I start with all this? You know, if they don't have the experience to put all of this together, what's the sort of starting point? Well, that's a great question. I think that um, the way we work, of course, in Agilium, we make sure that uh, we have specific experts in each area. For example, mm-hmm. design expert, component expert, product level testing expert, reliability expert, so and the software expert, for example. So we have all these uh, teams uh, that are specializing on validation and verification of and then you know qualification of uh, the design and the component and and even the product level uh, validation and verification and and I think that really that's the key so you most companies do have these teams on their um, basically on their design team they they, mm-hmm. they in their development process they have these teams the problem is most of the time um they're local to their country you know they're located for example in us mm-hmm. but the product is being developed in china so this is where it gets really really tricky because trying to guide the team in china at the production or contract manufacturing trying to guide them uh, from far away is really, really difficult. So most likely what they do is they fly somebody, uh, some of these team members one by one, somebody, for example, who's responsible for design, he will go there and, and meet with the production team and check uh, issues that they have find that are design related. Later, uh, someone from software will fly over, someone from components related, like liability engineers. So there'll be a lot of team members just flying to China, spending one or two weeks there trying to resolve all these issues and work with the current contract manufacturing to make sure that the whole production goes smoothly. But mm. in in the case of Agilian, we take control of the project. We basically do everything for them in one spot and we make sure that we communicate very clearly with with total transparency with our customers it doesn't matter where they're located so that they pretty much get to know exactly what's going on what the results are and uh, we communicate what we're going to do if they don't approve we don't do it if they approve we proceed and we um, implement the process that they have approved and then we give them results and then we give our opinions and our recommendations as, and on top of that. And so that's the way we, we operate. Uh, so to summarize, really, in order uh, for you to go to mass production successfully, 
you have to make sure that you have um, gone through qualification of your design, components, your product, your manufacturing, and your compliance. Does that help? Yeah, it really does. And it's a really good introduction because somebody who has, you know, a pretty complete prototype, for example, might be thinking, wow, we can probably go into mass production soon, right? And the answer is probably not if you want to have the maximum amount of safety when it comes to quality, compliance and reliability. So it's a very, very timely sort of um, reminder for everybody about the level of work that needs to be done. Right. and and. The key things that we focus in Agilion uh, is that we have a very, very repeatable process where mm. we, our uh, project managers and our program managers go through every one of these uh, methodically. Uh, basically, uh, it's almost like following a repeatable process. Okay, have we done any of the validation tests on the design? No, okay. Let's check out the check seat, check sheet and uh, checklist and, and, and start actually doing it. And then uh, whatever that uh, needs to be done, you, you, you create a team and uh, the teams actually uh, take action. Uh, these yeah. actions are listed. Once they're uh, completed, there's a milestone review that we make sure that all of these for every uh, design level, every phase of the milestone are completed before we move to the next level. Mm. Yeah, and that's really, really helpful, especially when you frame it in the context of today with COVID lockdowns and restrictions the way they are, especially in China, being able to work with an organization that's on the ground there is an option that is preferable to many importers who are abroad, you know, like in the West. Exactly. And you made a very, very good point. And the other thing that I think that we pride ourselves is that we have a whole bunch of teams that actually speak English. They understand English and uh, a lot of our um, uh, documentation are all in English. And so uh, everything that we do is pretty clear to our customers. We discuss with them in detail. We get their approvals before we implement anything. Mm. Okay, great. Well, thanks very much for joining me today Andrew that's been a really interesting insight into what you must do before you go into mass production and uh, yeah that is qualification testing and you've been through all of the ins and outs of that throughout the episode as we've mentioned uh, earlier on we've written about the MPI process before we've spoken about it I will leave some links to relevant materials in the show notes so if you want to learn more please check out the links. And also, Andrew's mentioned Agilian Technology, our contract manufacturing subsidiary. If you want to have a look at what we're doing over there, you want to speak to us and get help, I'll leave a link for them as well. And you can contact us, contact Andrew uh, via his LinkedIn profile. There'll be a link to that also. Thank you for giving me the opportunity, Adrian, to discuss tonight's topic. Look forward to our listeners' feedback. Yep, great. Okay. Uh, Thanks, Andrew. Hopefully we'll get you back on the podcast soon. My pleasure. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophies Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 
3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share, because it will really help others discover us too.